Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Thank God. I want to preach to you today about Jesus. Just Jesus. That's all. Just, that's enough. Jesus. Matthew 1 and 21, and she shall bring forth a son. Someone said, thank God. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. How is he going to do that? Isaiah 53 and 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes... Amen, somebody. We are healed. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I'm so grateful for your moving power. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful for your love. Thank you for keeping us and guiding us through another week. Give us your word to strengthen us this week. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. The most dangerous thing is a church that sleeps. Amen. In our day and age, we can talk about ISIS, we can talk about threats, we can talk about many things, but when we don't understand the power of the church of the living God in the name that he's put on this church, we can fall into a, a, a timidness and, a, and we can fall into a haze of, of sleep. Have you ever been someplace where you're sitting there and you watch somebody doing the head bob? Everybody? <laughs> You're, you're, maybe you're in school or you're at work or something and there's some sort of a training and someone's over in the corner and they're doing one, one of those, you know. Um, we, had, <laughs> we were in church one time and there was a guy falling asleep and the pastor noticed it. And so he had, he had everybody stand up and pretended like he was praying to close. And then uh, he walked over and he said, George, get up! And the guy jumped straight up in the pew. Just strum straight up. He's like, amen. <laughs> he came up out of his seat and just went, hey, man. Oh, we're praying? He was, so, he was so out of it. I think church is the best place to get a nap, number one. It's the safest place if you want to know my real opinion on it. But I want you to know that there's a danger in a, in a church that sleeps spiritually. It's the greatest tragedy I've ever heard. And the, scripture talks to us a lot about that, and it says that, Proverbs 10 and 5, which I didn't give to them, but it says, He that get, gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in the harvest is the son that causeth shame. I want you to know that it's harvest time. It's a time where we need to bring in the souls and bring in the harvest. And there's something powerful about knowing that God has seasons. Amen, somebody. That you have seasons in your life, you have seasons in, in ministry, you have seasons in everything we do. And if you get out of the wrong season and don't do what God has called you to do in certain seasons, you will miss the fruit of what God wants to do in your life. Amen, somebody. It doesn't have to look good. It doesn't have to look like everything's going right. You just simply have to know the name in which you believe in, the God who you serve and the power of that name. Praise God for a church that's alive and well and awake and anointed. 
Thank God for a church that knows the power of the name of Jesus. Amen? Thank God for a church that still preaches there is one God, and his name is Jesus, and all authority and all power is in his name. And Colossians 2 and 9 tells us that we, we know that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him body, bodily for all. The fullness of the Godhead. All means all, folks. Fullness means fullness. Godhead means all. He said basically three times, God was all, all, and all in Jesus Christ. That's what he was saying. And so what I find interesting is that in the Hebrew text and in Greek, they didn't have the ability to transfer from Hebrew text through our language into superlatives or actually more importantly or better said in tenses. They couldn't say street or streets. So what they would say is they would say the word several times. So if it was bad, they'd say it's bad. If it was really bad, they'd say bad, bad. It was like Little Caesar's Pizza, pizza, pizza. You didn't know that's what they were doing, but they were saying, good, good pizza, pizza, pizza. And I love the fact that they use multiple language, but you have to understand that the superlative of what they're saying is that when they call God holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, they were talking about Jesus Christ. And what they're saying is he's not just holy. He's not just holy, holy, but he's holy, holy, holy. The antithesis of that would be the, the, the worst possible thing you could think of, but because God is holy, and they could not define it in their own language. They could not even put words to it. So they had to mimic or repeat their word over and over again to give emphasis to the name of our Lord and our God. He's holy. He's holy, holy. But he's also the greatest holy, which means he's the highest holy there has ever been. For he is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He who is almighty. His name is Jesus, and I'm glad I know he is God in flesh. Amen, somebody. Amen. He was born of a woman because he had to be. He couldn't be our perfect sacrifice if he wasn't fully man. But he also couldn't be our perfect Savior if he wasn't fully God. He had to not only be able to take on the sacrifice, but he also had to have the authority to do so. And so he walked. God did not, I believe, have multiple spirits in Jesus Christ. I don't believe it was God's spirit and Jesus' spirit. What I understand from the scripture is that he was a blended spirit. Therefore, the Godhead, spirit of God, John 6, 6 and 4. You read it for yourself in John. It said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That spirit of Jehovah was in Jesus Christ. He didn't have a separate spirit. He had a blended spirit. He was not only God, but he was man. A hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. Amen, somebody. I'm so grateful I know who Jesus is. So in our hardest moments, we can rise up with word, amen? Because in the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So if you come across a situation where you just can't even describe it, where you're sitting in a moment where you can't even put words to the kind of pain you're going through, I have a revelation for you. All you need to say is the revealed name of the word of God, and that is Jesus. And when you say Jesus, you tell all of heaven and you tell all of earth that I know the highest name to call on, the greatest God in my need. The situation is smaller than the circumstance of my God. 
in the power of my God. When I don't have words to speak, I have the word made flesh in his name. Amen, someone. I'm so grateful for that. Winston Churchill was the prime minister of Britain, and he stood and addressed a war-torn nation, and there were bombs that had destroyed most of England, and they were living under the streets like rats. And I don't know if you know the story of right before at World War One and that whole surrounding area. I know Reese does because he's a historian back there. He loves all that stuff. But my brother may know it, but I, I had to study up on it because I, I may be smarter than I used to be, but I'm not that smart. So I had to study up on it, and I realized that he was standing and giving amazing speeches at the time, and he was fighting the parliament and, the, and, and different things that were against him, and, and they had loved their previous prime minister, but he was standing and he was giving speeches that didn't make any sense to the human mind. Because their circumstances were that they were running from things. They were living in sewers. They were living under the streets because the Germans were bombing their cities. And Mr. Churchill did not stand up and speak of his concerns for the cities that were being leveled. He did not say, it's hard, so we must not, it must not be worth the fight. He didn't say he chose not to speak in any way, shape, or form of the ever-present losses of war. And they were great at that time. His statements to those people that were reaching for hope and in desperate times. How many know we're in a hopeless time with desperate people, amen? And Winston Churchill was just a leader, but he stood with concise and unwavering hope and he looked at the destruction all around him and his words were not the enemy was too strong and he, his thoughts were not, we cannot make it. He did not say we're just too unprepared. Instead, he looked at the devastation that was present and saw beyond the war crushed spirit of a nation and with a great confidence he stood and said some of the most amazing five words ever recorded in history he said this is our finest hour it was not their finest hour most people would agree that was a lie they would not even understand the words at the moment, but what he was saying was their finest day was all dependent upon knowing that the fight was worth it, that the country was worthy, and that there was something in the time to come that these five words would inspire. He said, this is our finest hour. The time of harvest is upon us. Today, I know, I feel it in my spirit. I'm going to be sharing with you the theme of next year real soon. And I want you to know the Lord has told me this is a year of harvest in 2018. I believe it. I'm standing on it. I'm saying to this church today that it may be demanding times. We may see hopeless situation. We may not know exactly how God's going to move. But a church that's praying is a church that's victorious. Amen, somebody. A church full of praying, powerful people in this world will communicate to a world that there's front lines worth fighting. There will never be a time like the time we're living in right now. I heard in my own lifetime that Jesus is coming all my life, but I believe we are closer to heaven than we've ever been before. The eternal clock is about to tick, and Gabriel's going to step out on a cloud and blow that trumpet, and we're going to go on home. But until that time, I've come to tell you, no matter what this world looks like, no matter how many terrorist attacks we have, no matter how many people get run over in New York. I feel bad for that. My heart hurts for that. I ache for this world. But this is still the church's finest hour because we have the name of Jesus. 
And we have the power of his name upon us. This is our finest hour. The times of harvest are truly upon us. We are, in, we are not only in need to bring in the planting of the summer, but we must prepare for the winter ahead of us. We also must not fall asleep in the comforts of being Americans and the things that we take for granted. Flipping on lights and electricity's there. Opening water faucets and water's there. We don't even think about the privileges and the blessings that we have. We come into this place and we don't even have to think about it. They get up and they play lovely music. We don't have to think about what it costs to get that lovely music out. We don't have to think about what it costs to put screens up so we can celebrate the name of Jesus today. We don't have to think about any of that because we're such blessed Americans. We just begin to expect things. But I want you to know that an expectant church is not just a church that's blessed. It's a church that knows it's blesser. Amen, somebody. And everything in the church, everything in the church that's going to be great, everything that's going to be high and lifted up has to be connected to the name of Jesus. Everything we do here has to have a bedrock of prayer and fasting, or we are kidding ourselves, brothers and sisters, if we do not find the finest hour through the name and through prayer. I'm going into a season of prayer and fasting myself. My wife and I are beginning this week, and I want you to know that in this season of time, it's not a celebration of what we can do, but it's a stripping away of whatever God doesn't need in our life. I believe he's a giver, not a taker. And I know people who are givers, and I know people who are takers, and I recognize that when I give things to God, he gives back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen, someone. And so whatever I give to him, I want revival more than anything in my life right now. I, I don't need a new car. My, my car, I was praying the other day. I was like, Jesus, the check engine light's on again. I talk to him all the time. I don't know how you talk to the Lord. Maybe you have a very nice automobile. We have so many comforts in America. I appreciate the fact that God's blessed you with a fine automobile, but mine has cancer. It's rusting out all over the place. I drive in and I pull up and I pull the emergency brake and it don't work anymore. It just goes, <laughs> but the car doesn't stop. It's not a brake at all. It's a fake brake. It's not an emergency break and then I put the brake down and I'm like Jesus I need you to get me through this winter on this car I just got to get through then I pray for my cars I anoint my cars I anoint stuff you probably shouldn't anoint but I believe in the power of the name of Jesus I just believe in the name of Jesus I know that he can take sins away and if he can handle my sin debt he can handle my credit card debt if he can handle my sin debt he can handle any other thing I've got in my life and so I go ahead and I put his name on everything I can put his name on. And no matter what happens, his name stands. Amen, somebody. So I was praying over my car. October 20th got here. My registration had already expired about a week ago, and it still says October 17 on the plate, so they're good, you know. I'm driving, and I'm like, Jesus, you know I got to get to that you know, I got to get to that shop and I, I need them to do the whole inspection on this car, but it ain't going to pass with that light on Jesus. And I'm driving for two and a half, three weeks. Y'all didn't know that. I was preaching through it. I'm praying through my car, preaching through the weekends. So I'm praying and I'm driving, I'm praying and I'm driving. And maybe this is not a story that references you very well, but you can let me tell it if you wouldn't mind. Let me be in the pastor for a minute, take a personal moment. I'm just going to do it because I have the microphone. You just got to wait till I get done. So just going to have to just get, you know, give me some patience here. 
Patience for the pastor. Patience for the pastor. So I got, I got to drive in, and it got to October 30th. And then it got to October 31st. And on October 31st, I got in my car that morning and started it. It had been all month, and that light was on. I started my car on the 31st of October when my license was going to expire that day. And I was going to have to get pulled over, and the cop was going to have to tell me, did you know that your license is, say, in October, and it's now November? I was like, oh, Lord, don't let that happen. I started my car that morning, and the engine light was off. I drove straight to the mechanic, and I passed my emissions test, and I passed everything else. And he goes, here's your sticker. And he didn't know it, but inside me, I was doing a Holy Ghost jig. I was doing a Holy Ghost dance. I was like, thank you very much for that license registration for the 18th. For 2017, 2018, for 2018, I was thanking the Lord for it, but he didn't know. He didn't know. It's okay. Sometimes you have a dance inside for the name of Jesus on your life, and nobody knows what it's about. I can stand in a grocery store and have a Holy Ghost hoedown in my soul just over the fact that something is going on. Everybody doesn't know. Nobody else has to know about it, but me and Jesus, we know about it, and so we go ahead and we celebrate it, and we just dance and worship, and I give him praise for all that he's done, and so I had that moment, and it's not even in my notes. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I apologize that I ran all the way up to October, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin DMV, if you're listening, that I ran all the way up to the edge of the November 1, but I'm grateful that we're in a time of harvest, and in a time of harvest, I don't want to be focused on things I shouldn't be focused on, and so I said, Lord, I need you to take care of some of these things so I can keep doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing, which is focusing on your harvest, and so I'm grateful for the name of Jesus that works every single time, every single time. His promises are good. His promises are sure. Amen, someone. And so I'd, I was like, why, why would Winston Churchill say this and make such brash statements? He said other things that were just absolutely crazy. In fact, one American journalist wrote in 1941, he said, the responsibility which are now much, which, uh, excuse me, the responsibilities which are his now must be greater, speaking of Churchill, than those carried by any other human being on the earth. <laughs> Wrong. I know a Jesus who carried my sins to Calvary. Amen. He said, one would think such a weight would have crushed, would have crushing effect upon him. Not at all. The last time I saw him while the battle of Britain was still raging. He looked 20 years younger than before the war began. His uplifting spirit is transmitted to the people, the journalist said. A man transmitted his uplifting spirit by the words he said to people that were in a war-torn nation. He said things like, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. That was one of his speeches. I've got nothing to offer you. Did you know that Jesus said, if you're going to be on my squad, you're going to have to go and sell everything that you have and come and follow me? That's extra biblical. <laughs> That's not standards that we live by, amen? But those are things that he said, if you want to be on my team, you're going to have to give everything to this. And so guess what? This guy thinks that he's the person that carried maybe the greatest way in the world. I say, no, 
I say there was a man, Christ Jesus, who didn't carry just the weight of a nation, but he carried the weight of the world on his shoulder. Jesus didn't just lift a nation, but every soul that would ever call upon him throughout time. In Isaiah 53 and 5, we have this amazing verse that I took a text. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen, somebody. I want you to understand with me real quick the beauty of that verse that I just read. Because Jesus didn't just die, but he rose again. We are not celebrating a legacy of a dead leader. Amen, somebody. We are worshiping a God who is spirit and who is truth and who is in this place today. And if anybody says, well, how do you know you have the truth? You just tell them I have Jesus. And he is the truth. Jesus is not an ideal. Jesus is not man's philosophy. Jesus is a person and he is the truth. He was someone who walked this earth. Confucius never said, I'll be back in three days. He never did. Darwin didn't do it. Jesus would not be just another man born and died, but he died for our sins, was buried in our grave, and rose again. Amen? The most beautiful things you'll ever see, the most beautiful scenes in life you'll ever experience with your natural eye is things that are dying and rise again. Mountains become masterpieces when leaves turn yellow because the tree is pulling in its sap to survive the winter and those leaves die. And we, we walk the nature trails and we look at the beauty of what God's made and say, how beautiful is it? The colors like the background. I asked them to specifically make the background this color today for fall because I love the nature. And then we have to rake our leaves in our yard. Some of you don't like raking leaves, but I'm sorry. That is the beauty of the budding of spring. They have to fall off and die. The tree are teaching us that you need to let some things go. Amen? The beauty of things in the nature is that there are things that die in their season and there are things that bud in another season. And I want you to know if anything has ever died and fallen away, guess what? Get ready because there's a spring budding coming. There's a rose blooming. There's something going to take place in the springtime. The tulips are going to come up. The roses are going to bloom again and there's going to be joy in places where sorrow once lived. I'm praying over somebody that they understand that when you don't have words to say, you call on the name of Jesus and he alone can help you through the times when you don't understand life. Amen, somebody. Jesus didn't stay where he was buried. He came up. He went on the cross, thank God for it, but he rose again, thank God for that. He's a living God, referenced 30 times in scripture that he's a living God. I thank God I serve a living God. I want you to know that that scripture that I read to you in Isaiah 53 would have never happened had Isaiah not seen the Lord high and lifted up. There was no prophetic utterance from Isaiah about the nature of his death and his resurrection. This scripture right here in Isaiah 53 and 5 was written long before the crucifixion was ever created in the Roman mind. 
There was years, years, and years before. He didn't even know there was such a thing. But he described the crucifixion in a prophetic word written in Isaiah 53 and 5. But he didn't get that word until he had the Lord speak to him and say, why are you so cast down? Why don't you lift your heart? You're so, you're so sad over Saul, but I've chosen somebody else. He said, he said, lift up your heart. And so Isaiah lifted up his heart, and we have recorded the words where it said he was that in the in the king Uzziah died it was king Uzziah not Saul sorry my bad in the years that king Uzziah died he said his heart he lifted up his eyes and he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple every word of prophecy about Jesus Christ came after he saw God high and lifted up I want you to understand that when we put Jesus on the highest place of our life we will get revelation about what he is to us and to our life off of the power of putting him first. Amen. That we are to seek the kingdom of God first and all these things shall be added unto you, referring to not only the blessings of God, but the revelation that God gives our life, the touch of his spirit, the changing of our life. Peter was in prison and was in the spirit. Peter was in prison and, and he had God speaking to him. There were places where you see people like John the Revelator in prison, and he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. How can you be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day when you're bound by bars? I want you to know that nobody can keep you from being free. No circumstance can keep you from being free. No situation can keep you from being free. It doesn't matter the environment. It matters that you know the name of who you serve and the name that is on your life. Amen, someone. And God said, this is his church, and he put his name on it. God is still touching. God is still reaching. God is still strengthening. How many feel that? How many know that? God is still fulfilling his church promise, that this is his church. And upon, in this church, he will build himself. Upon this rock, the revelation of his name. I don't know how many people have rejected Jesus that you've talked to before. I've had plenty that I've talked to, and they rejected Jesus. But the same one that was rejected in Scripture became the cornerstone upon which the entire church is built. I want you to know today that I'm celebrating Jesus, and I want you to get fired up. I want you to get excited about Jesus. I want you to be so excited. We are not a bunch of stumble bums that just found this, just tripped over this, and by chance fell into this. We are talking today, and we are preaching the truth of the revelation of who God is in Christ. That is not a revelation that is just a happenstance revelation that is a revelation that has been held through time by the power of the name of Jesus Christ when we celebrate the name of Jesus Christ we're celebrating the power of that name to all generations that he held his truth throughout Bible burnings throughout religious creation, throughout those that changed the baptismal formula to those that sprinkled when baptism means to dunk It'd be ridiculous if I walked over to George with this water bottle and sprinkled him and said, you're baptized. Because the word baptized means to dunk. 
It, it, would, it would not make any sense in Scripture if you walked up to Peter and say, I was baptized. How were you baptized? Someone sprinkled water on me. Even if they did it in the name, it's not full baptism because baptism is supposed to mimic a grave. You're supposed to be buried. I would be remiss as a funeral director licensed by the state of Wisconsin if I walked up to a grave and tossed a shovel full of dirt in and said, that's good, let's go to lunch. We have a lunch to go to. They would, give, they would not only consider me negligent in my duties, they would yank my license. The Wisconsin State, if responded to by, by criticism or by someone filing a complaint with the state of Wisconsin, they would come and remove my license, no longer allowing me to practice as a funeral director. But I want you to know when we put somebody in the ground, we cover it, we bury it, because it's a symbol of putting away the body of death. And the scripture says that when you are baptized, in the name of Jesus. You are burying the old man, that old body, that carnal man. You're burying the body of death so that you could be raised to life. And if you lay it down, God will raise it up. And you must be born again of water and of spirit, saith the Lord. You must be. You must be. It is scripture. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm yelling because I'm excited because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And I walk with a God who said, if you'll walk in the spirit, I will guide you by my spirit. I can give you something greater than your carnal mind. I can give you something greater than your wisdom to process. I can give you something greater than your emotions to understand. I will give you my spirit to walk in. And when you walk in my spirit, you can then walk with my name and when my name is on it you can relabel anything that ever happens to you as a negative to a positive if you just rename it with my name oh I'm excited today I'm excited today so it doesn't matter if they called you a whoremonger doesn't matter if they called you a loser, a cheater, a liar, a whatever, you name it. Fill in the blank. If you had a label from the world, when you walk into the church, your label can change because Jesus said, if you're baptized in my name, you're putting my name on you. And so now when you walk through life, no matter what the world says, no matter what situations look at, go ahead and just double click on it and rename it. I was working at my desk last night. They were in here trying to make the music go right because sometimes you have to work really hard to make the music go right. I expected an amen somewhere over there. <laughs> sometimes you have to work really hard. I'm wrapping up. This is me finishing. I'm putting out the wheels, okay? We're coming in for a landing. And I was sitting there, and I'm working away, and I'm organizing. And I got these files, and I'm like... I don't even know what that folder means. I've named it. At some point, I named that file, and it made real good sense to me when I named it. But now I'm looking at it a year later because I'm reorganizing and, and getting everything ready for the new year. I'm renaming stuff, and I'm, so I'm right-clicking and renaming it. And I'm like, I don't even know why I named it that. Why would I even? That doesn't even make. I can't figure out what that goes to or where to put it. And it's all disorganized, and it's all confusing, and and. God's not the author of confusion. I'm speaking to my computer. 
I preach to you in Jesus' name, laptop. I'm just like, I need to organize this mess. It's a mess. And I'm double-clicking on it, and I'm renaming it. And Jesus sneaks in the room and says, that's the same thing that happens when you go down in my name and you put my name on your life. As I go around, and I'm like, oh, liar, that's okay, Jesus. Oh, he was a cheater, that's okay, Jesus. Oh, he was this and that, that's okay, Jesus. Oh, they were this, she was this, she was that, that's okay. It doesn't matter what people label you when you put the name of Jesus on it. You have double-clicked and renamed it. And guess what? All the confusion goes away. All the order of God falls into your life. And all the construction and framing of God falls into your life. And pretty soon you stand up and you go, I couldn't have got here on my own strength. I couldn't have got here on my own knowledge. I couldn't have organized the path that I walked down. But God took every step and he organized it and he ordered my steps. And therefore I look back and say everything is in place because Jesus is on everything his name is on everything I'm so grateful for the name I can close my Bible walk out right now have a good week I'm just going to tell you right now because I feel the Holy Ghost this is supposed to be a hospital for the hurting because of the name this is supposed to be a shelter for the destitute because of the name this is supposed to be a place of peace and hope for those that come here because of the name a church that stops preaching the name of Jesus is a church that's powerless and that doesn't even register, doesn't even ping in the spiritual world because when you stop preaching the name, you stop praying to that name. You stop praying, and when you stop praying, the spiritual world stops listening to the power of the church. We can have just another church like any other church in the district. We can have another church just like any other church in the city if we didn't preach the name of Jesus. But when we start preaching the name of Jesus, demons start trembling. There is something powerful about the name, and demons run and hide. They know better than to mess with the name. We don't always know better to mess with the name, but I tell you what, every time someone takes that name in vain, I turn to them and go, hey, that's the name that saved me. I make a joke out of it a little bit, but I want them to know that you might take the name in vain swearing but I want you to know I take that name every single morning when I wake up every single breath I have is because of the name every single benefit I have is because of the name I want you to know my life is built on the name of Jesus would you stand with me oh Jesus would you just put his name on your lips right now oh Jesus let's go ahead and go to prayer right now Jesus Jesus I need you I need a revelation that you're high and lifted up in order to see all the things you want to do in my life. Because this is your church and it cannot be destroyed. I don't want things of destruction to fall into my life. The devil is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. I want your name on everything in my life so that the devil knows that he cannot take it because it's covered by the name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Grave clothes can only hold so long, amen. Jesus is only comfortable about three days in a grave. If we don't get him out and celebrate him, if we don't celebrate the power of his name, we will not know what it's like to be a devil-stomping, tongue-talking, flesh-conquering church. I want all of that. And that sounds like archaic thinking or talking, but I want you to know that the church still should be devil-stomping, tongue-talking, and flesh-conquering. And we also should be a church that doesn't look to Hollywood for our entertainment. Doesn't look to other places to define the roles of gender. But we should look to the Word of God. These are hot-button topics. I get it. But we're not asking them to tell us who we are. 
We're asking Jesus to define who we are. And if we keep his name in our life, we will never see confusion because we search the word because he is the word. You can't say you love Jesus if you don't spend time in the word. You can't say you love Jesus if you don't spend time praying. You just can't say it because how, how could I say I love Sarah if I never spent time with her? How could I say I love Sarah if I have a little black book of other names and other numbers I like to call? How could I say I love her if I don't separate myself unto her? How could I say I love her if I don't give her special treatment? One of the biggest things I'm going through right now is because I chose to come home instead of listening to someone in my life that's supposed to be my superior. I didn't know it because I started at work before they showed up. But emergency came up. Need to get off the plane. Need to go take care of this. I understand. I want to do it. I really do. But this Saturday is my twi 22nd anniversary with my wife. Not this Saturday. I mean, this, this happened a few weeks ago. Thank you for that. It's a long time. She has put up with me a long time, Brother George. And I said, and there's years where I put that on the back burner. I said, honey, I know it's our anniversary, but can we celebrate next week or the next week? And can, just pushed it out. But this year I said, no, you're not going to feel back burner syndrome. I'm going to make you first. I cannot say I love Jesus if I don't put him first. If I don't have some time where I pray. If, if you don't know when and where you prayed each day, you probably didn't pray. You probably didn't find a secret place. I know we're supposed to pray without ceasing. I'm not talking about your walk through the day prayers. Thank God for that. I'm so glad you do. I'm so glad you're spiritually minded. I'm so glad you're holy unto God. I thank you that you do that as a testimony to the body of Christ of how to live in a relationship with God. But I want you to know if you haven't had a consecrated place with God, there's a chance you might go by without something that has his name on it. And the most beautiful thing is to have his name on everything. Because his name is not only just who he was, but the scripture says, call him Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sin. How many know he purchased a whole world? Whether they live for him or not, he purchased them. They just have to apply it. It's like a can of paint. You can go buy a can of paint and not change the wall color. You have to open the can and put the paint on the paintbrush. It takes some work. You got to go down in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's not works. It's work under righteousness. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. But if you don't buy that can of paint and take it out and roll the wall, nothing changes. Amen. If you don't get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, there is no regenerative life ability for God to do a work in your life in every single thing until you're full of the Holy Ghost till you're full of his power. Thank God for that word. Thank God today. Are you thankful for that word? Are you thankful for the church that's victorious? Are you thankful for that name? Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm grateful you're called the son of David. I'm grateful you're called the bright and morning star. God, I'm grateful you're called the rose of Sharon. What a beautiful picture. Because I know that the Rose of Sharon was not even a rose. It was a flower near the Mediterranean Sea. And they would crush it. And they would make medicine out of it. 
and the medicine was an anesthetic to pain. And I thank you for being my Rose of Sharon because you are my anesthetic to the pains of life. Somebody in here has walked through life with a lot of pains. You have a lot of scars in your heart. And that scarring has caused you to build walls. I'm praying for somebody every eye closed. There's somebody here that's been chiseling away at walls because you know you don't want to live in a prison that you made by your own hands. You don't want to be in a prison that was made by other men's hands. But you've built up walls and those walls were necessary because you were protecting yourself from abuse and from things around you. But Jesus is stepping in and the thing that's beautiful about our Savior is not only when you put his name on your life, he showed that he could walk through walls. <laughs> he can live in spaces where you would have died and he can come in and reach to you in the scarred places of your life and he can touch you and he can put his name on it and the sorrow that you felt in different situations became, becomes the strength through his name a strength through his name somebody whisper the name of Jesus if there's anyone that's built walls or feels like you're caught and behind or, or maybe you even have some things right now that you're dreading going back to, maybe some bills sitting on a table that you can't pay, why don't you whisper the name of Jesus over them? This altar's open for anybody that feels like they need to come down and kneel and say, Lord, I humble myself under the name of Jesus. I want to apply everything that you have for me. I don't want to just buy it and look at it or put it on the shelf. I don't want to just just buy your name, buy into who you are, but I want to apply your name to my life. God, would you help me right now to be a person of the name of Jesus, to walk in your name, to talk through the name, to be a vessel of the name in Jesus' name. Come on, I wish there was a prayer that went up, a vocal prayer. Somebody would pray out loud. Come on, somebody lift your voice to Jesus. If you're at the altar, pray out loud. If you're in the pew, pray out loud. Let's make this whole place an altar. We've got to have an altar where we sacrifice some things to our Savior. Come on, we have a Savior who rose again and died for us, but rose again, and I need a budding. I need a blooming in my life. If there's things that have fallen away, I need to know that he's going to come with a spring season. He's going to come with something new. Put your name on all these prayers. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I see financial blessing coming right now as we pray. I see healing virtue flow. I see family members coming home. I see sons and daughters saved. I see them with their name. Go ahead and rename it. I know, I know it looks like they're addicted, but right now, take that addicted label off of them and put the label of Jesus on them. Come on, somebody. Relabel something. Double click on something in your life right now and relabel it with the name of Jesus. Let him take charge of it. Let him get a hold of it. Don't carry it anymore. You weren't designed to carry the weight of that in your life. He is best suited to carry it because he's your savior. Put his name on it in Jesus' name. Jesus.